Welcome to Redefine the Circle, a podcast where we discuss all things pitching. I'm Ashley Sunshine, co-owner and head of pitching development at S2 Breakthrough. In this podcast, we're going to highlight topics that focus on how to maximize your pitchers now. We're going to discuss some of the trends that we've seen at S2 Breakthrough and talk about how we use data to create systems and training approaches that are specific to each pitcher. It's so important for us to continue to share this information and facilitate discussion within the pitching community so we can keep evolving as coaches and ultimately grow pitching into something it's never been before. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for joining the quest to redefine the circle. This podcast is sponsored by Yakertech, softball's first in-game optical tracking system and most accurate data capturing solution. Welcome to Redefine the Circle. I am Ashley Sunshine, head of pitching development and co-owner here at S2 Breakthrough. This is the first episode of our second series, and it's one that I am very, very excited about. I am not alone, as you can see here uh, at at the table. Uh, We have a special guest. We have our very own Carly Sewell. She is our head strength coach at S2 Breakthrough. And what we're gonna do in these next uh, handful of episodes is talk about the systems that Carly and I have really worked to create uh, specifically for our pitchers. Um, Over the last, particularly like two years, the types of systems we've created around training and player development, how we really have been able to understand how to communicate in one way with one language between the strength floor, training in the bullpen, making sure that the types of things that we are doing with and for our pitchers are cohesive and that Carly and I are both working on the same page. So um, this entire series, again, these next handful of episodes will all be both Carly and I explaining, going into the nitty gritty of what that system looks like, what some of those processes and details um, really are. From today's standpoint, let's just do a little bit of intro. Carly, welcome to Redefine the Circle, first of all. Uh, Really happy to have you on here. I know uh, that in a lot of the conversations that I've been having with pitching coaches across the country, particularly at the college level, probably the next thing after we have this discussion about about generally what they should be doing on their end with their pitchers and in training, the very next question they ask is usually something about like, how do I get my strength coach involved in this conversation? And so I think this series is just going to be really powerful to start for, for pitching coaches out there to really be able to watch. And then the next level to really for them to start to understand how to build uh, similar systems, ones that work for them in their environment with their strength coaches. So again, welcome to Redefine the Circle. Let's just go ahead and start a little bit of an intro. Uh, before I give Carly the, the mic here, let me just say that You know, when Krista and I knew that we were building sort of the core members of S2 Breakthrough uh, a handful of years ago, we knew that this was, we, we always say here, like, we need to find unicorns. We need to find people whose brains are very specific and very detailed. Um, and so we found Carly on Twitter. Uh, you can, we found you were at the time uh, on the East Coast training uh, doing as a strength coach, obviously, but working with minor league baseball players. And we just knew by some of the things that you had you know, tweeted and, and talked about more of a social media forum that your brain matched our, the, the, the direction in which we were going. And we can explain that in a bit, but this evolution, understanding movement patterns, how the body works, how it self-organizes, getting to the issues of like the root of issues versus symptoms, understanding how strength and conditioning has to really be tied to skill. Uh, we just could see right away 
even just through Twitter, that Carly was that brain, essentially. So uh, when we brought her on here, essentially, I would say like that was, you know, sort of the beginning of us really being able to develop these systems and a player development model. So um, Carly, let's talk a little bit about just from your standpoint, what led you into wanting to become a strength coach? Talk to us about your background. And even before getting here at S2, uh, just give us a couple bullet points just to introduce uh, the audience to who you are. Yeah, so 2015, started my collegiate softball career uh, with the intention, I was pre-med, I was going to eventually be a doctor. Uh, But then 2015, I had a labrum tear, right labrum tear, 2016 rotator cuff, UCL, and then eventually my senior year, my left labrum tore. And so I would go to PT, I would do the PT thing for about a month, two months, And then I would end up six months to a year later back in the office, but attacking something different. And I felt like I was never getting at the root of what was causing these issues. It was always, we're treating the symptom, we're treating the arm, but we were never diving into my case, my story. And so eventually my senior year, whenever I had that final labrum tear, uh, I wanted to take matters into my own hands. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna do this myself. I'm gonna try to build a strength and conditioning program for myself. Um, and see what comes of it. And I ended up making it through the season pain-free. I played every game as a catcher, um, was able to hit. And so once I was able to do that, I showed myself that I could do this. And I wanted to give back to athletes. I wanted to show female athletes it was possible. I wanted to show athletes of any kind that once you attack your body and you make a holistic kinetic chain, you build resiliency for the sport. And that's the only way you can do it. You have to look at the whole kinetic chain to really know what's going on in the body. I think that's a really great intro, not only just to who you are, and when I kind of give this little background of like, we could see on Twitter that your brain worked differently. Essentially, I guess what I'm getting getting at is this concept of like the diagnostics piece. So like I always reference in a joking manner that like my, I feel like a, the Dr. House of pitching here, right? It's just sort of like digging through puzzles and finding why is this happening? You know, what happens if we change this? Um, and so I think that that real concept of how your brain wants to sort of solve puzzles is really what connects us and what I feel like has helped us to build the systems we currently have and are continuously, you know, trying to grow and develop. And so I think that's a really important background story to understanding like the heart of your story is in like, like this obsession with the diagnostics of the body, um, which is why obviously I think just makes, uh, you know, our team so special. So that's awesome. Okay. So, uh, that's a little bit of the intro of, about you is like how you became a strength coach. I also like that, like Krista and I, you had maybe career aspirations that were in one direction, but then like the soul, your soul just took you in another direction as far as the sport, uh, and what your journey as an athlete, you know, where it took you, which is really awesome. Okay. Now let's switch gears and talk about like day one, you're at S2 Breakthrough now, we hire you, you're like, you know, what is this place? Who are these people? Tell us just kind of a little bit of like, how has your brain evolved as a strength coach as far as understanding player development, training? Uh, you know, we've been on this journey together to build something. We knew we knew we had the tools and the skill sets to do it, but it took a few years for us to get it to a place where we felt like we really understood it and could communicate it. So walk us through a little bit of that journey for you. What has changed? What are the ways in which your brain is involved and what are the ways in which you're better now? So the first year I would say it was not a complete silo brain uh, 
coming from my perspective of programming, it's just strength and conditioning, but it was kind of there. It was kind of a silo. And then as I kept going throughout the year, as systems were growing in this office, it really became a full integration. So I would say the thing that I've changed the most in the first day that I walked into S2 Breakthrough is I'm a skill coach and I'm the third skill coach on the floor. And I'm always finding ways to relate strength and conditioning back to you guys. I'm always finding ways to integrate the system back to softball and back to what they need to be doing. So you would say it's safe. It's correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially like you no longer feel like your job or your responsibility is just to be good at your job. You have an extension of that. Essentially, it's like not only to be good at strength and conditioning, but to add this piece of making sure that strength and conditioning is directly related to what they do with us on the skill. Absolutely. Uh, that's the best way to put it. I would say day one walking in, I was like, all right, my, my goal is to get these athletes stronger, more resilient. But now it's like, if I do that, I'm doing an average job. My job is to get these athletes better at performance and to really get them to maximize their potential. Then that's above the average. Now I've exceeded expectations. Yeah, I think it's like that sounds like a similar concept, but it is very different. Essentially, it's like you can take the routes as a strength coach of making them stronger in their current patterns. Let's say their patterns, which are highly inefficient. You can make them stronger in those patterns. There's no doubt about it. Can they throw harder, for example? Can we have pitchers that throw harder with poor patterns just because you sort of fueled that fire? Absolutely. But we go another level. And when you say call yourself like the third skill coach, your job is you're like, you're also adding to the efficiency in which they move, not just fueling their current patterns, making their current patterns stronger. That's different. They're different concepts. Absolutely. Yeah. They are different concepts. Yeah. I think it's really, it's just, I think, uh, you know, for those that are listening in the audience, I think one of the, the main things that we really want to get across in this series is to really understand like how we go about, it's not reinventing the wheel of strength and conditioning per se, but it's sort of reinventing the role of strength and conditioning for our athletes and really how to make them cohesive with skill instead of just kind of like we had just described. It's like, I'll make you stronger at whatever you do over there. Instead, it's it's much more connected. Okay, so I'm gonna go. Uh, let's let's kind of elaborate on that. I'm gonna go into a little bit of a discussion here of like, what? How would we describe? So maybe there are some people listening that are like, I don't really understand how that's different. Like, what would you say in some of your time spent either as an athlete or as a strength coach in this sort of general strength and conditioning world? Because the reality is, like, the the base of this podcast is about connecting a pitching community where we are all really anxious to grow, evolve, get our, you know, to really look back at what we did five years ago and think like, nope, we're doing better now. We need to do better in another five years. That happens on the, that's happening in strength and conditioning as well, which is obviously why we want to really combine these two worlds. So what's some of this maybe, let's paint a picture, a couple bullet points of like more of the traditional approach to strength and conditioning. What does that look like? We'll sort of sit on the like one end of the spectrum. Tell us what that experience and environment typically looks like. So back to my collegiate days in strength and conditioning, a lot of Olympic lifting for power and a lot of back squats, heavy back squats for strength. And it was the sports specificity was there, but it was the skill coach's job. It was all right. Whenever I had softball, baseball players in the collegiate setting, I was like, you know what? We're going to do that at practice. Like, yeah, we'll do that stuff, but it's going to be in the practice setting. But while you're in the weight room, you know, just back squat as heavy as you can. We'll worry about that stuff later. So I feel like 
now getting into S2 breakthrough, it's like, I'm going to meet you halfway. Here's what she's struggling on. I'm going to find a way to maximize that or get her into a better position on the strength floor. But then I'm going to meet you halfway there with her and kind of hand her off and say, you know what? Let's maximize this in the bullpen now. So if, if I were to like paint a picture of what I feel like some of our traditional, okay, when I was a young coach uh, or an athlete myself, these are the types of things I thought about pitching. You would say the comparable to that in the strength and conditioning floor is just like more is more is more. Like load is load is load. That's how you get stronger. Movement quality, what are you even talking about? Like the word movement quality is probably not in discussion very much, right? Or sports specificity. I mean, we see all the time with uh, any school setting, a back squat or a deadlift and these kids are maxing them out they're doing a 300 pound deadlift 500 pound deadlift but then you take them onto the field and you look at their mechanics and these mechanics they aren't great they're not impressive so how does that translate to the sport you just created someone who can produce a lot of force but how are they producing that force and that's what we really get to the root of here it's like all right well if you want that force to transfer the most get them into a split squat because our game is unilateral and it's all about keeping the pelvis secure in a unilateral position, right? We're never doing that on two legs in our sport. So I think it's about the transfer of strength. It's not that getting strong is wrong. We want our athletes to get strong, but it's how that strength is going to transfer. Yeah, and I think that's, we're going to go into some details in some future episodes of like, what are the specific things, like you just mentioned, a lot of unilateral exercises. What are the things that we make sure, and we've really found through our processes, like you can make them strong, but that doesn't always lead to translation as you say right okay so here is where i think early on in our process of working together and coming up with and creating a system we realize that we have athletes who are strong and can produce power uh, but it doesn't really translate rotationally for a variety of reasons um, and so there's been a layer of our uh you know i guess our process a, a layer to our process that we really make sure that what we're doing we talk about translation really what we're talking about is like our athletes are rotational athletes. How do we make sure that strength and power translates rotationally? Give me maybe just a little bit of like how your brain has to work in designing programs to make sure that we can keep those pieces connected. Yeah, so first thing when I'm designing programs, I go back to that movement assessment that we have, and we'll dive into that, I'm sure, on another podcast. But I'm looking to see their mobility compensations. I'm looking to see what they're doing on one leg. If they can't stand on one leg or rotate the pelvis on one leg, then that's going to give me the whole story of them as a rotational athlete because I know there's already compensation there. And so then the whole basis for that athlete is learning how to secure their pelvis. If you can't secure your pelvis, you can't rotate because that's where the rotation is coming from. So I think it's just this building piece of like, hey, we're going to get that pelvis back under us. We're going to learn where it's at. We're going to learn proprioception kinesthetic awareness but then once we get good and strong at that now we're going to start flying through rotation and because we've built this base it's going to be a stronger rotational output because we're capitalizing quality movement yeah it's really good and we're going to get into even more details as you said in future episodes of that but would you say for pitching coaches that are listening out there if you feel as if you're taking your team to the strength floor and you know that what they're doing is the same as the football team they're doing is the same as the sprinters that that should maybe be the first I don't want to say red flag it doesn't mean a strength coach is a bad strength coach but there needs to be another layer of like conversation education evolution if you will would you say that things like that are the first thing that maybe you know for the pitching coaches out there listening 
need to say like, I need to get involved a little bit more. I need to know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Especially if they're doing the same program as a football team, a basketball team that it's a different, um, I'm trying to say physiological standpoint. It's a different system that we're using. And we have to know that when we're programming, we have to know what's the strength that we're trying to build, what's the stability that we're trying to build. Because for football, it's about raw strength. And softball, it's not that much raw strength. It's more power and how fast can you repeat that power? How much power can you last throughout innings? It's a lot different. And then you have the individual aspect of that. When you have rotational athletes, you have insane compensations. And that's just a fact of it. Rotational athletes compensate. They're the biggest compensator. So you also have the sport level, but then you have the individual level that you have to account for. Yeah. And that has to be taken into consideration in warm-ups. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, um, how about some of the things, so I mentioned in your intro that you were working uh, with some minor league baseball players at the time when you came here. Obviously, ever since then, uh, the majority of our athletes, overwhelming majority of our athletes here um, are softball players and they're youth athletes because even when we have college athletes, of course, who train here in their off seasons, but um, I mean, our game there is a professional level, but majority of the athletes that we are working with here go up to 22 max. So really our game is a youth level game. Uh, so we have athletes uh, that are maybe, let's say 15, 14, 15 at the younger ages, the ones that are really in our full player development system up to 22 females. So what about that combination so when I say youth athletes, I just want to, again, reiterate, I'm not just talking about high school athletes. I would extend this all the way up into the college game. What are the things that maybe, and we don't have to go into the every little bullet point here, but some of the highlights of the things that you feel like I have learned along the way that we have to consider when building out the right systems for player development for these, these individuals? Well, first and foremost is menstrual cycle. You cannot be programming for a female athlete without knowing history of her cycle you have to know a has she had it because that determines what she's doing if we have an athlete who has not started their cycle here at s2 breakthrough they go into a completely different training program we want to feed these athletes variability we want to get them good at freedom of movement and exploring that on their own and then after they've had their first period then they move into a different tier and now it's all about all right we're refocusing on stability so I think puberty for females, it's a lot different than males. I mean, males, they go through muscle growth and then they highlight almost what they've been doing. And females, we almost lose that. We have to rework on stability. And I don't think that gets said enough. I think it's very underrated. And that then affects everything. Once again, with knowing their cycle, you know more about that athlete and it creates the system that we have built here. Yeah, absolutely. I think the onset of, of menstruation and also, um, you know, we talk about like consistently tracking, like making sure that our athletes have, uh, you know, as much horm as many hormones available to them as possible uh, because we don't get the advantages of testosterone like men when we're talking about training adaptation. So um, that's a concept I think, you know, Laura and I have had this discussion in, in some of our previous educational series, but um, that's that's a piece like in our minds like gone are the days of being like embarrassed to talk about a woman's cycle we're talking about maximizing training and performance it's absolutely has to be in the equation so um you know we have systems for that to track it and to flag when things are a little bit off um and so i would say for sure what about things like um from a female athlete standpoint 
are there things regarding just of like, we, you talked about rotational athletes, how they're such tremendous compensators. What about now the layer of like, rotational athletes are tremendous compensators and now females because of how we're built versus males. What have you seen? Yeah, so good point. Females have a wider pelvis and because of that, there's more to control in the middle of their body. So with a wider pelvis, and now you're asking a rotational athlete to stabilize in the middle, you're gonna have to do a lot more to make sure that pelvis is secure before going forward. Um, for males, you see compensations a lot through their shoulders, through their arms. You don't really see it a lot through their lower back and pelvis, but really in my last three here, years here at S2 Breakthrough, we've seen so many compensations through the hips, so many lower back injuries, and that's because it is wider and that is the first thing to lose stability when something goes wrong in the kinetic chain. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Uh, this is an intro, but it's like every topic could be its own episode. So at some point, we're going to have to wrap this up because it's 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 so meaty. But um, okay, this podcast is obviously about pitching. My soul here, pitching. And so now we talked about you know the difference between what we feel like uh, you know. Uh, strength and conditioning at S2 versus maybe more of a traditional approach to strength and conditioning, this concept of rotational athletes and movements translating, what females do and how to consider females. Now, what about pitchers specifically? When I talk to a lot of pitching coaches out there or even pitchers that come here, even at the collegiate level for assessments and training, they'll say things like, it feels as if my strength coach is like afraid, like they don't want me to work overhead. They don't want me to do things because they're like afraid of things essentially. Um, and I feel as if here, like we're the opposite. We know how brutal the pitching motion is on pitchers. It's such a complicated, fast movement. It is so incredibly repetitive. In my mind, as much as I love it, it really unravels the body essentially. It unravels movement quality. And so we really attack it at the strength and conditioning level to make sure we are, you know, building that resilience or that armor, as you had alluded to before. So tell me, are there specific things like, do you do things differently for our pitchers on the, you know, like you stay away from this or you attack this? Uh, it doesn't have to be every single detail, but maybe just give us a little bit of highlight of what that looks like. In terms of movements I stay away from, there are none. Um, I find with individual athletes, I may avoid a lift because she has X or Y movement compensation. So it just doesn't make sense to put her in that position. But in terms of I will never do a movement with pitchers because they shouldn't be in that position, it has never crossed my mind because it always comes, I'm going to repeat myself for the thousandth time, what is the root? What is the root causing this? I think all pitchers should be getting overhead at some point, and you just have to figure out how to get them overhead. So in ways that I can change pitchers programming to be more specific to them is finding ways to load them in their body that's going to transfer to their load in pitching and how they get overhead. Now, I'm not talking about holding a dumbbell like it's a softball and going back in the load. I'm talking about a little bit more advanced here in loading the fascial slings and getting into those movements and loading the same slings that they need to be successful in that pitching motion or what is a deep uh, abdominal musculature that they're going to be using in pitching because ultimately that's the first thing that they need to load everything else. So I'm going to just sort of like summarize that from like a pitching, a pitching brain, pitching coach brain. If I know that they're overhead so much in the pitching motion, then it is your obligation to put them overhead in a very stable manner, right? To teach them to have the stability to use the trunk appropriately, essentially, to be able to manage overhead. 
So when I think people stare, steer away from like overhead movements, like they're talking about maybe like like snatches or really aggressive movements that really are not about movement quality. And so when we're talking about getting them overhead, it's basically about building the base underneath of what's going to be asked of them in the pitching motion. Is that a good summary? Exactly. Okay. All right. So this is, I think, just hopefully after this first episode, it's exciting for all of the uh, either athletes, parents, pitching coaches out there who want to know a little bit more of not just of like, what can I do, but what are the systems that I can be a part of to make sure our athletes are really, we're maximizing what they're doing from a training standpoint and obviously ultimately performance. This is a series we've been planning for months and months. I'm so excited. Obviously this is just episode one, but now I'm ready to like get into the nitty gritty. Uh, So thank you everyone for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, and stay tuned. Uh, We're gonna start releasing every Monday. Stay tuned for episode two coming out next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'd love to connect and hear your feedback. You can contact me directly at ashley at s2breakthrough.com. If you're listening, you can leave us a review or if you're watching, go ahead and leave a comment below. Also, be sure to follow S2 Breakthrough on all of our social media channels and subscribe to Stream S2 to find all things player development. Until next time, quest on. Thank you.